It's the 27th of March, 2022. So now we have this opportunity to meditate. So we should establish our minds with mindfulness and be sincere in this. So we develop this mindfulness and make our minds firm and settled. We put down all thoughts, feelings, proliferation about things in the future, things that we may be anxious about, worried about, or all of the things that we have experienced throughout this day, all of the sense impressions we've uh, come to experience, that we lay all of those down. And we determine that this time now is the time to train our minds so that they settle into peace, so that they become still. Even though we may be sitting with many people around us, we should bring up the feeling like we are by ourselves. Whether we're at home or we're here in the monastery, we have this perception that we're just sitting alone. And then we try to develop mindfulness, establish our mindfulness. And the meaning of developing mindfulness is for the sake of bringing the mind to know just one object. Because normally our minds go and think about a huge number of things. There are many, many objects that it's with. So we bring it to just one, knowing this breath, for example. Initially that may not be very clear and perhaps sometimes we force the breath, we try to control it and so there's a feeling of unsettledness, the mind can be uh, quite frantic in that case. So what we can try to do instead is to count the breath. And so on the in-breath we count one, on the out-breath two, on the out-breath one and then the in-breath to the out-breath to, and we count in pairs like this. So the first pair, second pair, third pair, fourth pair, fifth pair. And if we become skilled at this, if we don't slip up, then we will uh, reach that fifth pair, and then we can begin anew back at one, and count from the first pair to the fifth, and then we increase it to the sixth. And then we come back again to one, and count in pairs till seven. Come back to one, count in pairs till eight, and then the next round till nine, the next round till ten. And when we've completed that cycle, then we return to counting in pairs from one to five. And if we just carry on going like this, counting, these pairs correctly, then eventually we'll gain the feeling that we just don't want to count anymore. And so we come to just know this breath, to just be aware of this in-breath, this out-breath. And bringing the mind to peace, perhaps rapture can arise. The body and mind can feel very buoyant. 
And this is the state of upajara samadhi. And so the upajara samadhi, it means being close, being on the verge of. So it's like we're close to a village, and that village has a gate, so we're right in front of the gate. So there's a peace there, and it's like the mind's going to really gather together into stillness. It's very close to that stillness, that's the meaning of it. In the state of Upajara Samadhi, there's still some thinking, but it's, it's just very light thinking. It's a few thoughts, and they don't annoy or disturb us. The body and the mind feel very light. And so we have knowledge, knowing that lightness, having sati there within the mind. And when our mindfulness is well established, then eventually that uh, kind of firmness will reduce and the mind will start thinking and proliferating, become uh, scattered once more. So here at this point is where we contemplate into this body. So reflecting upon this body, how it's a heap of elements, a heap of earth, water, fire, and air. So this earth is that which is hard. And so, you know, there's earth um, on the ground. And then if it's very hard, then it's a rock. Uh, that's a very, very hard, compact form of earth element. So in this body, there's hair of the head, hair of the body, nails, teeth, skin, the bones. And these are the earth parts, some of the earth. And the, another heap is the uh, water, a heap of water. So there's the uh, lymph and the blood. And the blood um, is the largest amount of liquid in this body, is the blood. And there's also the heat, uh, which is the fire element. And there's the air within the stomach and the lungs. This is the air element, the breath coming in and going out. So when our minds are at peace, then we can contemplate into this body. This thing that we are deluded about, that we deludedly take it as being me, as being mine. And instead, we see it as just being a pile of elements. Some people, however, are more skilled at contemplating the body as being something unattractive, these asuba contemplations. And so we can contemplate in that way, contemplate uh, the unattractive nature of the body, like how when it dies and it becomes bloated and turns green, when there's no oxygen they're feeding the body, then the bacteria are able to work on it and start decaying. And there's a smell that's produced that's uh, repulsive, something we don't like. Different animals come to bite and eat the body. And so if there's a body that's just thrown into a charnel ground, and what they call entire raw ghosts, so they just take a corpse and wrap it in some cloth and leave it there in the forest. And insects, they don't know that it's a person or a human, they just see it as being food. So they come out to eat it. 
and different animals as well, birds, mice, come to eat it. It becomes more and more bloated. And the animals which are born are born in damp places such as maggots. Um, they get born in this corpse and they consume it as food as well. And in the end it uh, breaks apart and all of the liquids there spill out of it and it becomes dry. The ligaments uh, start to break and the bones get scattered about. And in time, even the bones decay as well. So we can't find a self within any of that. So watching the in and out breath, reciting Buddha, counting the breath in pairs, the goal of this is to have mindfulness in one single place, in one single object. And by doing this, what uh, we're doing is walking this path of sila, samadhi and panya, of virtue, collectedness and wisdom. So the sila is, is having composure, constraint over our body and speech. And when we can do this well, then we don't have many problems, right? And having sila, this is the quality of a mind which is on the level of a human. And then we develop samadhi, grounding our hearts, making them well established. And such as cultivating uh, this mindfulness of the breath. Or we can contemplate the body as being a collection of elements, as being something unattractive. And when we do that, then the mind can feel a state of, uh, like it's sobered up, this kind of chastened uh, disillusionment. And there's also joy that arises alongside that. And we see clearly that the truth, reality, is like this. Because when we see the body as being something beautiful, then the mind is not beautiful. we may have, there may be a certain kind of delight, happiness within the mind um, from seeing the body as being beautiful, but actually it's in quite a gloomy state, it's not bright. But if, however, we see the body as being unattractive, well, to do that initially what we do is we bring up perception, we use memory to do that. Or we use this proliferation in thought and thinking back and forth, back and forth. So we're thinking, but we don't allow our thoughts to go outside of this theme. And then through that, the mind can become more at ease, feel more at peace. But if we gain, if there's a lot of peace and energy there within our hearts, then we can really effectively contemplate into this body and see it more and more clearly. And there can be this joy and a fullness arising within the heart. And through that then the mind becomes very bright. And so these things are opposed to one another. If we um, see 
the body as being something beautiful, then the mind isn't beautiful. But if we see the body as being unattractive, then the heart becomes beautiful. It gains peace and stillness. Wisdom arises to one degree. So knowing the breath, contemplating the body as being elements or unattractive, this is all samatha kamatana, these meditation objects that lead towards peace. But if we carry on doing them until we become skilled at them, until there's joy which comes and fills up the heart, um, then we gain this uh, skill in the practice. And we have a place that we can uh, reside. We have um, a means to kind of abide and carry on with ease. So it's like having a house. And when we're in that house, then we're able to escape from the heat, from the wind, from the cold, from the rain. And um, when we're able to bring the mind to peace, then this is like having a home, a home for our heart, something that we can reside in, something our hearts can depend upon. And so samadhi is like this home for our hearts, a place that they can find rest. And when we have this resting place, and we have the peace that comes from that, then we can contemplate the body once more as being elements, as being unattractive, see the body as it breaks down and decays. And then we see emptiness. And here is where vipassana, this clear insight, arises. So in the beginning we trained our mind in this way and keep going until we're skilled at it. And if we become skilled, then we'll be able to separate out the elements. And if we gain an experience of this, where we can really effectively contemplate, then we will understand and know that this path is the way that leads out of all suffering. We won't have any doubts there, because we will have seen that the greed, hatred and delusion and the sense of self we cling to has been destroyed to some degree. And our minds have touched the Dhamma. There's a great sense of joy and contentment that arises there, and we gain energy in our hearts for the practice here. Because if all we have is faith, if we're just relying upon belief, but samadhi hasn't yet arisen, our mindfulness isn't firm, then we'll just be forcing ourselves, we'll, we'll have to be controlling ourselves to sit, to walk. But when we gain peace and fullness in our hearts, and there's samadhi there, then it just flows naturally. We don't have to control ourselves. When it's time to practice, then we walk, then we sit. And this just happens on its own accord. We don't have to tell ourselves to do it. Because we have knowledge, we have this intelligence that this way really does lead to peace of heart. In the beginning, however, we need to rely upon our efforts and our forbearance and sincerity. 
even though it can be tough, we need to put up a fight, we need to go against that. Because it's normal with the kilesas being in our hearts that they like just feeling at ease. Whatever's easy, whatever's comfortable, that's what they want to do. So we go and watch movies, listen to music that we like. And there's delight in that, but there's no peace. And in that state, when we get hit by a really strong sense impression, or a very kind of powerful emotion comes up, then we won't have the mindfulness to be able to resist that. And that emotion or sense impression will kind of overpower the heart, and it can be really chaotic at that point. Even though we don't want it to be that way, that's how it is. So we need to establish um, these principles for our hearts first. We need to really put in effort and go against the feelings that we have. So initially we need to have a sense of uh, caution and restraint. We need to put effort into maintaining sila. Because when we care for sila, this virtue, then virtue will care for our hearts, and our hearts won't be scattered or chaotic. So there's peace over our body and our speech. But we also need to bring peace to our minds as well. And we do that through training, through developing uh, meditation. So when we have effort and sincerity like this, and then we are constantly reflecting, constantly contemplating. And we also try to build up goodness throughout our daily lives. The things that we call skillfulness and meritorious, we try to develop those. And the highest form of merit is that of bhavana, is cultivating our minds. But this is something that each individual needs to do for themselves. And the Buddha told us that he just teaches, he just explains, but we are the ones that need to do it. We must rely upon ourselves. And if we don't do it, if we don't practice, then there's no way our minds will become pure. Even if we're right next to the Buddha, we won't see the Dhamma. Even if we hold on to his robe, we won't have seen the Buddha. So there was a monk during the Buddha's time who got such happiness and joy from being close to the Buddha. He would just gaze at the Buddha and feel this fullness and joy within his heart to the degree that his mind would go into jhana. So there was such great happiness that came from that. But the Buddha kind of decided to torture him a bit and said that he should go away, he should go somewhere else. And this monk replied that I would rather die than not be with you. And that's how strong the samadhi and the joy that came from that was. 
And so the Buddha taught him the Dhamma, and taught him how to contemplate, and he was able to attain to arahantship. He taught him not to attach to uh, the body of the Buddha. So for us too, we should contemplate these bodies, and what are they like? These things that we see as being beautiful, well if they run out of breath, are they still beautiful then? We should contemplate this, we should ask ourselves this. And we do this while we're training the mind in formal practice, while sitting, while walking, contemplating, and then the mind comes to peace and then we can contemplate again so we can see anatta, not self. But when we start depleting our energy through that contemplation, then we should come back and develop samadhi and mindfulness again. And there's no need to doubt this path of practice because this is the way that will free you from suffering. And our efforts in it are very important because effort is what will free us from suffering. So for us who have joined this meditation retreat, we need effort to be able to do that, to join in these morning and evening chanting sessions, these meditation sessions, listening to the Dhamma, and doing that without missing out. It requires effort to be able to practice like this. And through that then our mindfulness becomes better, samadhi becomes more firmly established, we're able to sit for longer periods. But perhaps when we sit, if we just try to be mindful of the breath and only that, then we may not get such good results. So what we can try then is chanting. So we pick up a chant that we like and we can chant that for an hour. So the first hour we chant over that, reciting that. For the second hour we can pick a different chant and go through that. The third hour pick a different chant and go through that. And it's alright to practice like this. And this can help to bring the mind to peace. And when the mind settles down, becomes quiet, then there's no need to carry on chanting. We can just sit with that stillness. And then we can contemplate into this body separating out the elements, the khandhas, like I've explained previously. And perhaps through that we can see into the Dhamma. And it's not so difficult. But in the beginning we need uh, to um, contemplate and put our efforts into that contemplation bringing up perception and memories initially. So for myself I would um, sit in meditation and watch the breath and then I would contemplate this body following the things that I had previously read before in the scriptures thinking, well, how is it that the body isn't beautiful? And even though I didn't see any nimitta, there wasn't a mental image there, but I could bring up these memories and perceptions, and that would allow my mind to become peaceful and feel at ease. And then as that carried on, as I carried on doing that, then samadhi grew and grew, became more stronger, and the contemplation became easier. So may you set your hearts on practicing in this way and do it without stopping. Be consistent in that. Really set your efforts.
So like when we chant, then we have mindfulness, we have effort in being mindful of that chanting, knowing, establishing our mindfulness in this body, in the feelings, in the mind, in the Dhamma. And these are the four bases for mindfulness. So may you train in this way, contemplating like this, until you see the emptiness of the body. And here is where insight arises. And so this insight, this wisdom, can just um, come up. And when it happens, it's nothing hard, it's nothing difficult. It's just a knowing and understanding that arises in the mind. It's like we have put something somewhere, but we can't remember where that is. And so we're looking around for it, and we can't find it, we can't find it. Then eventually we see it, and we know, oh, it's here. That's where we left it. But initially, we didn't see it, so we have to carry on looking for it. But when we do find it, then we see, ah, this is where it is, this is what it's like. And so it's the same for wisdom, for knowledge, that when we eventually find that, then we know for ourselves, ah, it's like this. But that doesn't come from thinking. It's not proliferation that produces that. It's a clear seeing of the Dhamma, a direct knowing. So may you all set your hearts on practicing like this.